today, everybody, we start this series entitled All In. And before we even jump into what this means, I want to be like right up front with you. Uh, You know how you listen to a radio uh, advertisement and at the very end it says, and it gives you like all the restrictions, see store for details, it's all void, it is just a joke, you know, like this is really not going to happen. You know, you you hear that before or you're about ready to watch a movie and it says, viewer discretion is advised. Hey, anybody on track to watch 24 coming up tonight? Oh, yeah, all two of you. Excellent. Okay. Um, any, I'm just going to move on from there. So uh, obviously it did not hit a, a nerve there. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to jump into this all in. It's five weeks. There's so many great things that are going to happen through this. We're going to be unrolling uh, a decade of ministry, 10 years. We turn 90 years old this year as a church, 90 years old. And two years ago, God birthed in my heart um, a desire to see our 100th celebration, our 100th birthday party, our centennial, be the kind of birthday party where God gives, gets so much glory and credit. You know, some people turn 100 years old, they're just glad to make it to 100. They're just glad, like, man, can't believe Ralph did it. He did it, Ralph, good job. And they're just reminiscing on the past. This church is not going to spend its days reminiscing on what God has done. We're ready to see what God wants to do next in the next decade. But you know, it's so critical that we we plan now for what 10 years later looks like. It's like a shuttle that lifts off to go to the moon. If you get that shuttle just a degree off when it launches, it'll miss the moon. If it's just one or two degrees off, it'll miss the moon by thousands of miles. It's critical that the mathematics, that the calculations, that the preparation has been done at the very beginning of the launch so that when they lift off, they're going in the right direction with the right steam, with the right jet propulsion. So they hit the mark. God has set a mark out there for us when we celebrate 100 years. Is that going to be the end of it? No, we're just getting started. But the next decade to our centennial vision, our centennial celebration, we've we've got to get it right today. Look at the person next to you and say, got to get it right. Okay. So let me be right up front with you. Okay. I'm going to be right up front. Okay. No, 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 not going to pull any punches, not going to shock you, not going to surprise you, not going to, uh, uh, surprisingly get, you know, sell you a timeshare during this month. Uh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna be right up front with what we're doing over this series. Number one, This is way more than a sermon series. This is way more than a five-week experience looking through the life of Abram, who later became Abraham. We'll get into that in just a moment. This is mission critical to get the shuttle off the ground. It's way more than a sermon series. This is the beginning of a two-year strategic initiative. The all-in initiative is a strategic 24-month process, and it's going to require all of us to have the right perspective. Now, listen, I want to say something to you. Okay, if you're in the room and a church having a, a really big, crazy, audacious, hairy vision scares you, you are going to be scared to death over the next five weeks. If that, if that concerns you, you're going to be concerned. If it worries you, you're going to be worried because this church has a crazy big vision for the future. Do you know why? Because we don't serve a, a normal, small-sized God. 
And if we had a vision that we could just, you know, uh, uh, tighten up just a little bit and do, that would not be what God could do. That'd be what you could do with a little bit of, you know, elbow grease. It's way beyond elbow grease. We got to dream such big dreams that God is dreaming because his dreams are nothing but big and bigger than you could comprehend or ask or imagine in your own wildest dreams. And as we begin to dream those dreams and we see those dreams become reality over the next decade, what happens is we all don't say, look what we did. We say when it's so huge, so hairy, so audacious, so crazy big, we look back at our hundredth celebration. We say, there is no way on God's green earth we could have done that. It was God through us and it was for God and it was all for his kingdom. That's where we got to go. That's where we got to go. So I want to tell you something. Everything I'm going to talk to you about today, we're going to fail at it. If it's completely up to us. But if you will take these next few weeks and the next 24 months and say, okay, God, we want to dream as big as you want us to dream. We're going to put your kingdom come, your will be done first. It's going to be beyond what you could even come up with, beyond what I could come up with, what God will do in the next decade of ministry. Let me tell you, give you another uh, warning. If you think the church, all they're after is your money. All the church is after is my money. You've got the church confused with Home Depot and Budweiser, okay? Budweiser is after your money, all right? Home Depot is after your money. There are organizations that you're going to watch 30 seconds of their product tonight, and it's going to cost them $5 million to show you a 30-second thing on, you know, E-Trade. They're after your money. I stand here unashamed to tell you this is, going to, this is going to be an investment spiritually for our church. This is going to be an investment financially for our church. But I don't say it with you with nervousness. I mean, I mean, if it's just me, that's a little scary. But I'm just telling you, I am not embarrassed, afraid to ask of God's people to do God-sized things and to give towards those things. Because he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all the other stuff. That'll come secondary, and it should be secondary to what God wants to do in his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as he already sees it in heaven. So I want you to do this. I want you to take your book out. Everybody should have gotten a book. If you didn't get a book today, our ushers are standing by at every single door. This is a huge, uh, critical piece of material for you to have over the next five weeks. If you need a book and you didn't get one walking in, you, you passed our usher snipers because usually they are right on the stick, okay? If you need a book, would you just raise a hand? We'll make sure we get a book over here. Over here, I'll see that hand. I'll see that hand. Who will give me an extra 10 minutes to preach today? Keep a hand up. Keep, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. That's old school preacher talk right there, everybody. That's old school right there. All right, looks like we're getting them out. Here's what I want you to do. First things first, all right? Right here in the corner, I want everybody to get a pen out. If you're on the front row and you don't have a pen in front of you, you can ask the person behind you. Don't just reach back there. You might grab a knee instead of a pen. We don't, want, we don't want things to get awkward all of a sudden. Although if you're single and you grab another single, leg, maybe love at first sight, who knows? I remember that day in the all-in campaign, I reached back and I touched her and it was like, ah! 
I'm, I'm amped up a little bit today, everybody. This is, this is like six espresso shots later, okay? Everybody write your name and what I'm gonna ask you to do, you're not gonna be getting a, a, an information guide over these next few weeks. We typically give out study notes, fill in the blanks, things like that. This is your study guide for the next five weeks, okay? Bring it with you. Don't, don't lose it in the car, okay? Don't leave it at your seat. Hang on to it. If you need a drill hole, put a necklace through it and wear it around your neck, do it. If you need us to staple it to your arm, we have a big old stapler in the office. We will do that. But I would rather you just hang on to it and not have to uh, have a staple it to your arm. So, so bring this. There is all kinds of information. Now listen, everybody listen, right up front, right up front. I know that those colorful pictures and words are gonna be so much more inviting to look at right now than to, to look at me and listen to me talk. But can we make the agreement? Can we just make a decision today that, that we're not gonna be distracted by the beautiful colors in the book, but we'll stay focused on what we wanna talk about today. Agreed? All right. So what I want you to do is turn right now, right there in your booklet to page 30, sermon notes. I told the media team, why did you put my face all over this book? That's because we wanted to make it look good. I said, oh, you can tell you're on staff and get paid and I sign your check. You know? <laughs> Take your study notes and we're going we're gonna to jump right through this, okay? We're going we're gonna to open up a conversation, a spiritual conversation, a vision conversation, a financial conversation about the church, okay? We're just going to talk about it all right up front. I'm not going to pull any punches. And I want to start by you taking a pen and writing this statement down on the top of your notes. Would you write this down? Can I say yes to God before I know what he's asking? Can I say yes to God before I know what he's asking? If you have children, no doubt they've come to you and said, Dad, can I ask you a question? Mom, I, I need a favor. And usually the response is not, sure, anything. <laughs> it depends. It depends. What do you need? What's going on? You know? When it comes to God, does he have to lay out everything in your life in order for you to trust him? Or can you say yes to his way even before you might not even know what it will require of you in the future? That's a yes God life. And that's what I wanna talk about. In the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, the Bible says it like this, true story about Abram and Sarai. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse one, we read it like this. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now stop right here. He asked him to make a move. When he made a move, did he already know where he was going? No. In fact, he says, leave your native country, and once you leave, I will show you. But it required activity and action on Abram's part before the whole plan was laid out in black and white. There had to be an element of faith and trust and surrender and honor and obedience in Abram's life way before he even knew the very next step he had to take. Verse 2. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you this new land you're going to go to. I will make you into a great nation. Not just a family, a nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Well, God wants to make us into who he's designed us to be. 
It's not all about what you could ever do. It's about what he wants to see happen through you, in you, for you, beyond you. He never just does anything in you just to bless you just by yourself. There's always an intention that your life, the blessing in your life would give glory to God outside of your life. He says, I want to bless you and make you famous. We're talking about Abram today. This is Middle Eastern vagabond who, who began a company, became like a Fortune 500 company over in the Middle East. And we're talking about him in Lufkin, Texas in 2017, 4,000 some odd years later. He's a pretty famous guy. I mean, after all, he's Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Nod your head, stand up, sit down. Moving on. Why, Janet, don't, what, why, why? I'm just excited. You will be a blessing to others. God is not into you getting rich quick schemes so you can be rich. He's not into you experiencing all the blessings of God just for yourself. He always wants to move beyond you. And do you know what? The more he can trust you with as you show others the glory of God through what he's done through your life, the more he reciprocates on that promise. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. But everybody just raise a hand. Every single hand that's up, you've been blessed through the promise of Abram. You've been blessed. Do you know why? Because Abraham, 20-some years later, has a son named Isaac. Isaac ends up having two sons, Esau and Jacob. What's interesting about Esau and Jacob is they were twins, and Esau was the firstborn. He came out all red and hairy. They called him Harry for short. No, they didn't. He was Esau. It actually means red. It actually means red. Esau was hairy and red and Jacob came out. But as he came out as second born, he was grabbing onto the leg. He was grabbing onto the leg of Esau. And when they came out, they named him Jacob. And don't you love this, that the word Jacob there in the original language means liar. It's like, oh, he's so beautiful. What'd you name him? Liar. <laughs> awesome. It's like naming your kid Judas, you know? I mean, whoa, that's awesome. So, so, so liar comes out, and here's what happens. When they get a little bit older, Esau's a hunter. He's a man's man. Jacob's like, you know, not that. And more of a mama's boy, hangs around the house, you know, and, and uh, he became an awesome chef, and he's out there cutting carrots and cucumbers and making a cool, you know, mutton stew. And, and uh, sure enough, Esau comes after days of hunting with nothing to show for it. He's hungry, he's starving, and he says to Jacob, hey, 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 I will give you my inheritance for a bowl of soup. Or I'm so hungry, give me a bowl of soup. And Jacob says, trade me your inheritance. And I'll give you the soup. Now listen to how, how, how crazy this is. Esau gave up a legacy to fill a temporary need. How many people do you know, and even when you look into some self-inventory, have you ever given up the great stuff to fill a temporary need? People do that all the time. They do it all the time. Don't be like Esau. He gave up his inheritance. He gave up his real part of this whole story because he was hungry for a moment. When it comes to the all-in initiative that we'll be talking about through the next few weeks, I want us to not be the kind of people that are just satisfied temporarily. 
but we are thinking about legacy. We're thinking about the future, our children, our children's children, and we're not going to let anything, even a temporary hunger, come in the way of what God wants to do as we leave a legacy. Verse 4, Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He wasn't a young buck. He wasn't a newlywed. He'd been married for a while. So Abraham, all the nations were blessed from Abraham to Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Esau and Jacob switch and Jacob becomes the rightful heir. And from Jacob, he has 12 sons. I won't go through all the 12 sons because I don't remember them all. But I can tell you that the fourth one's name was Judah. And out of Judah came King David. And out of King David, through that line, the Bible says, through prophecy, revealing what's going to happen in the future before it ever happens, through the prophecy in the Word of God, multiple hundreds of prophetic moments in the Word of God, we see that Joseph ends up in Bethlehem in the lineage of David, and it's Jesus through Mary and Joseph. And now all, as we said earlier, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. It's through that whole line that started with the promise of Abram to step out in faith that we get to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who will bless all families on the face of the earth. What a powerful willingness for Abram to step out and do something bold and radical. He, he was able to say yes before he even knew what it looked like. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Would you write some of these down in your notes? Number one, here's what we learn from Abram and God. God is a God of promises. You look through the scripture, it's why you need to be in the scripture in your quiet time. Don't feel like you have to have an hour and a half or 45 minutes. Just get in some quiet time daily because you need to know the promises of God all throughout Scripture. 7,000 plus promises of God in the Word that are available to you to read and proclaim and, and believe and accept in your life. And you need to know what He says so you can claim those promises. Number two, God's promise to Abram was connected to Abram's obedience. Even though God had a promise to Abram, the same way that Esau had a choice to be a part of that process, Abram had a choice to be a part of that process. What would have happened if Abram said, I'm not leaving my country, I'm not leaving my friends, I'm not leaving my territory, this is where I grew up, these are my peeps, this is everything, I'm going to have to move my whole Fortune 500 company across the land to wherever I don't even know where we're going. But yet he did. And his promises were connected to his Obedience. We say it like this. I've said it before. You may want to jot it down. Um, every promise has a premise. Every promise has a premise. Meaning that, for example, in the book of Chronicles, the Bible says uh, that God will hear from heaven. God will heal our land. God will restore. But there's a premise there, and it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will turn from their wicked ways, then I will. So, so we see that all throughout Scripture, that's just one example. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what is the promise? And He will make your paths straight. But it, it's you trusting in Him and leaning not on your own understanding. There's a promise and there's a premise. Basically, we see it like this. Abram had to move from where he was to where God wanted him to go in order for God's promises to unfold. There's a divine partnership with you and God, everybody. 
There's a divine partnership. He wants to do what only he can do. But this whole idea of let go and let God, although that's a really cool Christian t-shirt, there, there, is a, there is a let God and you also hang on and do your part. There's a letting God do what only he can do, but you got to do, but, but you better work, you know. Oh, sorry. You got stuff to do. You, you got you to you get it done. Your salvation isn't determined on what you do. It's about all that he did. But if you want to see all those promises unfold, it's an obedience. It's a surrender. It's a following day by day, step by step for his promises to unfold. Number three, I can't step into my destiny without first stepping out of my comfort zone. You know, those, those eagles don't learn how to fly getting fat in the nest. They don't just like learn by sitting down. You don't, you, 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 some of you, you've been in the nest a long time. And I'm saying this all in initiatives way beyond just the church. It's all about you too. It's time to get out of the nest. It's time for you to trust God, get out of your comfort zone, to trust him with everything, starting with your heart and moving in through everything else in your life. It's for us to get out of the nest. You know, what, what's great about the nest is you can sit there and like people will just show up and like blah, give you stuff. That's pretty cool. It's like Sunday morning, you know, I fly in here and you've been sitting on the nest and I go, eh, eh, blah. And you say, oh, that was good. That was a good worm today. But if you never jump out and begin to try this on your own, that's going to get old. <laughs> like the pastor regurgitating the Bible and all you're taking is just the word of God on Sunday morning. That's going to get old. You got to get out of the nest. Are you still with me so far? We got to get out of our comfort zone. I love the picture I've just given you. I hope all of you see me as some bald eagle. Ah, just coming in blah, Sunday morning. Here's what I believe God is asking us in the all in. This is what God, I believe, was asking Abram. I believe it's what he's asking us today, individually and as the church. Number one, he's asking us, would you cultivate a yes God heart? The book of Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows everything in life. Before you can understand what God wants to do through you, you need to let your heart say yes before your mouth says yes. It all starts with the right heart. God is asking, would you cultivate a yes God heart to say yes to him when you don't even know what he may be asking? God is asking us to live a yes God life. To live a yes God life. To where when people look at you, when your kids are watching, because they are, when your friends and your relatives and your associates and your neighbors are looking at you, they see that you're not just coming in on Sunday saying, yes, God, in the song time. But you're living a yes, God life around the water cooler. You're living a yes, God life in the decisions you make daily. You're living a yes, God life in humbling yourself, trying to outserve your spouse. You know what? Can I give you a trick for your marriage? Can I give you a trick to live a yes God life in your marriage? Try to outserve each other. Have a competition. I'm gonna outserve my spouse. Not like I'm gonna outtalk my spouse. I'm gonna outargue my spouse. I'm gonna outslam the door of my spouse. I mean, Janet's already shown you that doesn't work. 
Let's outserve each other. That's a yes God heart. And you know what? You get a yes God heart. You get you live a yes God life. God is saying that means you're going to leave a yes God legacy. Oh, you're leaving a legacy, everybody. Oh, you're leaving a legacy. And there are some of you that have said, I will never be like my dad. Because he left a never be like me legacy. But I want you to live a yes, God, legacy right here on this platform. Friends of all ages across this auditorium yesterday in the afternoon, we laid to rest a woman who lived a yes, God life. She left a yes, God legacy to her children and to her grandchildren. Miss Pat Greer was on this staff for years. She was faithful to teach the two-year-olds for 25 plus years at what is now Timber Creek Church, but what was Lufkin First Assembly. I mean, you call them terrible twos in front of her. Uh-uh. No, they're not terrible twos. She saw the, the potential in the little children and left a legacy. She was a wedding coordinator. And, and I don't know, I think the last count is she coordinated 14,278 weddings. It seems like it, not that many. It was like 100 or so. She was Janet and I, our wedding coordinator. She was Jamie's, Janet's sister, their wedding coordinator. Anybody, Miss Pat, was your wedding coordinator? Oh, my word, look at that. I say several people, several people. The truth, the truth is, she left a legacy. You're going to leave one. What she left was a yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I want us to understand your part in the story. As I said, if you think the church is after all, all, just your money, if you think that, that you know, having a big vision is scary, let me just say this. If you think that your part of the story is just watching what happens here, let, let me say something to you very clearly. You remember the story of feeding the 5,000 where Jesus takes a, a Jerusalem Happy Meal, you know, and it's got a couple of uh, uh, biscuits and a fish sandwich, nothing but the bun. And uh, it was funny. We had a friend over the other day. I just say it real fast. Had a friend over the day. I said, what do you guys want for lunch? I'm going to go to McDonald's. And one of his friends said, I want a fish sandwich with nothing but the bun and the fish. I said, I like, I like your directness, man. So I went and got him a fish sandwich with nothing but the bun and the fish. When I showed up, I said, is that good? You get that all the time? I said, this is my first time. I just wanted a fish sandwich. It's what I wanted. I said, man, I like you, buddy. You know what you want. Just a couple of biscuits and some tilapia, and this little kid gives it to Jesus. And there he has been teaching for all day, and he has compassion on the people, and he feeds thousands of people with a little bit of faith and trust and surrender of one little child. Here's the perspective you need to know. You are in this room. You are not the crowd in the story. If you're in this room, when it comes to the all-in initiative, you are the 12 in the story. The 12 are the ones that trusted God took the bread and the fish and began to distribute it. And do you know what happened? You know what happened? 
if they, they chose the perspective, if you choose the perspective of the 12 and you honor God with everything and say yes before you even know what he's asking, you can be a part of the 12 and the 12, guess what they get to do? They get to serve and they bring home basketfuls. The crowd, they just got a meal for a day. They got a meal for a day. The 12 who served and put yes, God first, they were taken care of for a while. I want you to be part of the 12 when it comes to the all in initiative. In October, I shared the Church IC series, a four week series on vision and values. And during that process, after having collaborated with some of our staff, asking some questions, I sat down on a Saturday and I took some ideas and for about 14 hours on a Saturday, what I thought was just gonna be like a statement that I was making, it became more of, a, as it began to kind of come out, it was more of a, uh, a rhythmic spoken word describing what I believe God wants his church to look like, what I believe that this church should look like in the future. And I shared that through video and during that series. And what we've done is we've taken those same words and I wanna remind you of where we've been. We've been leaving as a church, we've been leaving a yes God legacy from generation to generation. I stand on the shoulders of several pastors gone by. This ain't me and this ain't you. We have, we have stood on the shoulders of those that have said, we wanna have a yes God heart. We, we wanna live a yes God life. And for the last 90 years we've been doing that. And where we're going, it's our responsibility to pave the same road that was paved for us. I want you to take a look at this video and we'll unpack it. Here's to the pioneers, the groundbreakers, the trailblazers, the risk takers. The ones who built something out of nothing the church birthing few who supernaturally knew there was more. They wanted to see what God would do next. This was the church they could see. They were faith-believing, house-meeting, tent-pitching visionaries, empowered by the Spirit, willing to do something and try something and, and be something new. The church they built with the prayers they prayed and the pennies they saved created more than just a place. They created space where love would replace legalism. They did not hold in white knuckled grip their dream. No, they broke ground on ours. They dug in to create the church we might someday be, the kind of church we might someday see. So what is the right way to honor their dedication? It is not with tenacious protection of customs or traditions and certainly not handed down, hollowed out religion. No, we honor their faith with a passionate pursuit, not a chasing of what he has done, but following their lead and pressing toward what he will do next. This is the church I see. The church I see is so attractive, so refreshing, so inspiring. The buildings struggle to contain the increase. Like an oak tree that doesn't know its full strength or its full reach. It's a church growing in more than one place with creative space not defined by city limits or zip codes, but in community destinations proclaiming a Christ-centered message of real hope to the whole world. The church I see is identified by its kindness, reckless with compassion, where we walk palms up, eyes open, hearts broken, 
for the uncared for, the unloved, the unfound, where the hungry are fed, the thirsty are satisfied, the hopeless are hopeful, and the bound up are unbound. The church I see takes next steps in greater obedience, where the spiritually mature encourage those just exploring so they too can begin growing, where those who are close remain steadfast and grow even closer. It's a place where the forgotten are remembered, relationships are mended, where prodigal sons and daughters are not met with cold, told you so's, but grace-filled embraces that shout, welcome home. The church I see, she is not boring, but bursting with joy and with laughter. She's so impacting, the city cannot ignore her. The church I see, your God-given potential is the mission, where we yield to his purposes in our lives, our relationships, our marriages, and in our children. The church I see, we won't keep it to ourselves. You'll see his church in our lives and in our jobs, and the way we walk and the way we work, and irrational generosity and extravagant worship. We're not impressed or propelled by the accolades of mere men. We simply humbly serve for the applause of an audience of one to hear his words, well done. The church I see is just getting started. And until Jesus comes back, she'll put aside this cause and that cause to seek and see save those who are still lost because no weapon formed against her will prosper. Not even hell with its devil could possibly ever stop her. She'll never stop going She'll never stop growing. She'll remain relentless on mission with a global passion and God-given vision. This is the church I see. Our rally cry for the next decade is that we would be a church laser focused on creating community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. We've worked hard to be a church anyone can come to. Now it's time to create churches, to create spaces, to create community destinations here in Judea and Samaria, those close to us, and in the ends of the earth. You know, for here, the community destination, Jesus intersected around a water well and in a city gate and on a rooftop and in a home and around a dinner table. And we want to have the same kind of opportunity to create these community destinations here. I believe this church ought to be an oasis in Lufkin, Texas. I believe this church ought to show as people drive by on Loop 287 that they would not see a church that is opulent. They wouldn't see a church that's keeping it to themselves, but they would see a church that says welcome home uh, arms wide open come and join us come and, and and be a part of what God is doing here because we have created a space for their family and from from the jogging paths to the to the creative next generation spaces and all those things we're going to create community destiny we're going to do it globally as you saw from disaster and poverty relief to, to reaching unreached people groups listen we're not going to go to North Africa and build a rock wall in a kid center but you know what we are going to do we are going to build, we're all going to do water wells in the middle of villages that have to walk miles just for clean water. And we're going to build a church next to the water and they're going to get clean water and they're going to get living water. And you know what that's going to be? That's going to be a community destination where anyone can find and follow Jesus. Some people have made critical errors 
They, they, they were like Esau and they gave up what God had for them in the moment for a temporary fix. And now they're behind bars in prisons all over the nation. And God has not forgotten about them. And he was very specific in his scripture when he said, give water to the thirsty and give food to the hungry. And if they're in prison, go visit them. And we're going to do it. Because that prison is not just going to be a holding cell. That prison is going to become a destination that they didn't choose. They didn't want to. They chose by their actions. But it's going to be a place where they can not just get out someday or not just someday be on parole. Not just someday just live their life until they die behind bars. But it'll be a place where they find and follow Jesus. You know, people don't get upset. People don't get all funky and weird and turned upside down when organizations spend millions of dollars for a 30-second commercial. Nobody gets turned upside down to wait in line for 90 minutes to just go to the top of the Empire State Building. It's a community destination in New York City. Nobody's like, I can't believe we're sitting in line to do that. No, they're like, they want to see New York. Nobody gets upset about the community destination of Disney World. That's like where miracles happen. No, that's, that's the church. That's where, that's where your dreams come true when it comes to Cinderella and Ariel. A whole new world. Anyway, so nobody gets upset that Walt Disney had a huge dream to create the most magical place on earth where you spend quadzillion dollars on a hot dog and a Coke. Nobody's complaining about that. So I unashamedly come before you and say, we're going to build the church, which is the greatest organization the world has known, will know, will ever know. It's the only organization that Jesus said, I will build. And you have a choice to sit on the sidelines and watch or get in with me. Get in with our leadership. Get in with our deacon team and our pastoral staff. Get in with families I've already shared my heart with. Get in with Timber Creek Church. And let's make the next 10 years reaching toward our 100th birthday. The most craziest, audacious, wild ride of God coming through in the Lufkin Timber country of East Texas and beyond. We're going to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. That is good. That is good. That is good. What's our goal through this all in? Let me give you the secondary goal. This isn't even the main goal, but let me explain it to you this way. What's the all in goal, the main goal? This isn't it, it's a secondary. It's gonna be an $8 million startup for the next 24 months to do all that we're doing. $8 million. This is where some of you would go, you know? <laughs> yeah, thank you. This is an $8 million project. Now that's not above and beyond what we're already doing. Let me break it down for you. We receive in tithes and offerings and general offerings throughout the year in 2016, 2.1 million. Our plan is we're already growing and God is giving increase and we expect it to be more. But just to be uh, uh, conservative, if we don't grow anymore and our finances don't change at all in 2017, we would usually receive 2.1 million. In 2018, let's say we would receive the same. That already, 2.1 and 2.1 is how much money? 
4.2. You guys just did math in public. You should be proud of yourselves. That's good. That's good. Plus, we're taking the challenge to go all in and increase our, our annual giving over the next 24 months by not just what we're doing, but increase by 3.8 million. That's how we get to 8 million. So it's not above and beyond what we're already doing. It's including what we're already doing. And it's saying, everybody, go all in. That's what it's going to take to do the expansion and to, to plant the, the, the churches and do the water wells. That's 8 million right there. Now, that's the secondary goal. That's the secondary goal. Because can I say something to you? If someone with a flick of their wrist came into the church today and wrote an $8 million check and say, you know what? I just, God showed me to sh told me to show up and write you an $8 million check today. I would receive that. We would celebrate. I would pass out. I would kiss that person right on the mouth. I would explain it to Janet. And then I would kiss her on the mouth too. Then she would go over and kiss that person on the mouth as well. And then our deacon team would line up and our pastoral team and we'd just be kissing all day long. But you know what else we'd do? <laughs> we'd still do the all in. And I'd still challenge you to take a next step of faith because this isn't about the money. Okay, this isn't, this is about, this is about this. 100% participation. I want you to live a yes God life even when it comes to your finances. Well, I don't have this or I don't have that or I'm single or I'm married or I'm widowed. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not asking you to do anything me. I'm asking you in this series, live a yes God life. Have a yes God heart. Have palms up and to see what God might ask of you. But the goal is this. Please help us. Please help us. Not by the amount. Help us by participating. 100% all in for what Jesus wants to do over the next two years through this local church. In a typical process like this, we would do a building campaign. And what we would do is you would continue to give tithes and offerings. And, and, and then we would ask, and above all of that, will you make a commitment to give here? And we've done that before for the kids center, for this worship center, for our cafe and conference center. We did a process like that. That's not what we're doing. Instead, what we're doing, instead of saying here, 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 we are providing an opportunity. It's a one fund strategy where all of our ministry, all of our operations, uh, all of, of the vision, all of the building project, it's all one fund. And everybody, it's simple that everybody can be involved. Now I want to show you something that's in your book, but I don't want you to look in your book. Okay. I want you to, I'm going to show you right up here. This is called a giving ladder. All right. This is something that our, that our team put together to kind of communicate the reality that all of us are potential givers. You may not be able to read it in the, in the yellow, but that says potential giver. If you're in this room, you're a potential giver. If you're outside of this room, you're a potential giver. Does every potential giver ever, does all potential givers ever give? No, 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 they don't. So they have to take a next step to engage their potential. And if you're in the room today and you've been a part of the church for, you know, 60 minutes or 60 years, every one of you are a potential giver. And what I'm encouraging the church over the next few weeks, and we'll unpack this as we go, that some of you that have never trusted God to give anything, I'm not talking about a tithe or anything. I'm just saying, you've never come planned to give in the offering. The offering plate passes you and you say, oh, that's just not for me. And you have potential, but you've never done anything with it. I want to invite you to emerge and be someone who would give something. Give something. 
For those of you that have given something every once in a while, you know, you got $17 in your pocket today. In a few moments, our ushers will receive the tithes and offerings and you put the five in and you keep the $10 bill and the two, and the two $1 bills. You say, oh yeah, that's my deal. I'm, I'm asking you, would you prayerfully consider taking a next step to become a consistent giver? And that is where before you get to church, you've already had it in your mind that, that you're going to be a part of the worship experience, not just in singing, not just in praying, but in the cheerful heart of being a giver of finances. And that, 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 that's a consistent, that, that's just a next step. And for those of you that have tried that for a while, what I'm asking you to do, would you prayerfully consider, see what God would have you do to become a tithe giver? And a tithe giver isn't someone who just puts an offering. That's a 10% goal. That's a 10% gift. That means your income, 10%, the first fruits of your income goes back to God. He gives you the whole blizzard. He just wants a bite of it, just a bite of the blizzard. And he says, some of you can take that next step. And those of you that are faithful as a tithe giver, I'm inviting you to know what extravagant giving looks like and go beyond and trust God to become an extravagant giver. I'm not asking you to circle where you're going to be. I'm not asking you today to say, who's going to, who's with me? Who raise a hand? Who'll stand up right now? None of that. We're not selling timeshares here. But I am asking you, can you say yes to God before you even know what he's asking you to do? Would you write this in your notebook? I want to live a yes God life so I can leave a yes God legacy. We'll talk more about the latter. We'll talk more about Abram. But here's what I want to leave you with today, okay? Here's what I want you to be thinking as you're walking out today, all right? So everybody, all eyes up here. I want you to leave today thinking these things. Number one, my church is incredible. I want you to think that. Do you know why? Because your church is incredible. And it's not the pastor. It's not the music. It's, not, it's, it's us. We have incredible potential in this room, everybody. You've got incredible, yeah, all two of you clapping, that's so good, that's so good. My church is incredible. My church is incredible. I'm excited about my church. I don't go to church to take a nap. I go to church because I'm excited about my church. I tell other people about my church. I post on social media, I love my church. I say, my church is pretty cool, you should come to me sometime. It's pretty great. Pastor, he's pretty awesome. He's amazing, he's so handsome. Number two, I want you to leave today thinking, I want to be a part of where we're headed. I don't want you to look as a bystander. I want you to participate in the future. I'm going to participate on where we're headed. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to receive the same kind of blessings that others will receive when they go all in. I'm not about the amount, but it's just about the surrendered heart. There's just some things that Abram received that other people in his life didn't receive because he had an open, surrendered, honest heart. And I want you to experience everything the church is going to experience and be a part of where we're headed. Number three, I want you to leave today knowing and thinking, I know the future is going to require a spiritual and financial investment. It's going to, we're going to have to pray like we never prayed before, everyone. We're going to have to trust God like we've never trusted God before, everybody. We're going to have to surrender like we've never surrendered. We're going to have to, we're going to have to have faith like we've never had the daring, daring, audacious faith. And I want you to know that. That's what's going to be required of all of us. Not just the pastor and the deacon team and the pastoral staff. 
Can I already tell you that I've talked with about 30 families individually and have met with our dream teamers who give of their time, their talent, their treasure, and their, their story. And can I already tell you that, that already, just story after story is coming in of what God is already doing with people that in advance I've said, hey, would you pray about this beforehand? So then when we launch this, you're already ready, you know, uh, red hot, ready to go. You know, Janet and I have known that we're going to be going through this process for months. Last February, a year this week, it was a year this week, we sold a house that we loved. And we put our heart and soul into renovating it. It's a beautiful home. Very thankful for it. It's just a, it's just a shelter, but... But we, you know, we like having nice stuff just like you like having nice stuff. Why the pastor's got to have a nice house, you know? Because he works hard. He's a good steward of his money. But, but I can tell you that we sold that house because it was an investment. And we've been living in the quadplex over here on the corner of the church property for the last year. A little, you know, 900 square foot house with two bedrooms, a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old sharing a room. And the dog, <laughs> you know, it's been a little tight. And we've been in the process. We've bought property and we're planning on building. We have our building plans all ready to go. We're collecting bids, but God has really clearly spoken to us that, hey, you know what? I, I, it's okay to build a home in this, but here's what God is asking us. Just put my house first. I want you to have a house. Would you just put my house first? And you know, I don't know what God's going to ask of you. But for Jane and I, as we've prayed and considered, God's, God's calling us that over the next 24 months, our take-home pay, we would give 20% of everything that we make to this church and to the All-In Initiative. And some of you 20% say, what in the world? I'm living on 103% right now. Well, God's not calling you to be me. And, and, and God's not calling me to be you. It's just, will you have a yes, God heart for whatever he calls you to do? God's called us to be not only the senior pastors, but to be the senior followers. And we want to follow, we want to sacrifice. And my 20% is going to add up to this, and your 20% might add up to that, or it might add up to like this. But I'm not asking you to give 20%. I'm asking you to have a palms up, open heart to what God would call you to do. So already there's been stories coming in, men and women that have been faithless say, hey, you know, uh, we're going to trust God and we're going to give an extra. And uh, I had one, one guy, he, he owns a, uh, a repair shop, and he said, um, I've got several cars that are in disrepair that people just left because they couldn't afford to fix them, so they just left them. And now we own them, and it's like eight or nine cars. And he said, God's, I think, telling me, I'm going to fix up all those cars, and I'm going to sell every one of those. And every time I sell a car, it's going to the all-in initiative. Isn't that kind of cool? That's pretty neat. I had a young couple come and say, you know, we, we, we've been saving up for this, but, but God's calling us to, to give towards the all-in campaign. And here's what's crazy, guys. I, I, I wish I could have orchestrated this because then it would have been about me. But it's not about me. Had a conversation with a guy a few months ago. Um, early in life, early in life, um, God gave him the gift of wealth. He had invested and God just like whoo, showed up. And it's like some people just have gifts. And he has the gift of buying and selling businesses. 
and owning businesses all over the United States and the world. It just so happened that he's become radically dedicated to the Lord over the last couple of years right here at Timber Creek Church. And he was telling me the other day, I've, I've eaten all the beans I'm going to eat. I got the houses, I got the stuff, but I, I've never really like sacrificed for the kingdom of God. And I'm later in life. I don't got a lot of time to live. My time is short. And I just feel like God has brought me to this church because I want to make a difference. Now, I don't know what all that's going to look like with him. I don't know what it's going to look like with you. But you know, that gentleman came up to me this morning and said, hey, listen, um, I, uh, I've got something for you. This isn't a commitment, um, but this is just to get us started. And in my pocket right now, I have a check for $140,000. $140,000 right here. He said, my wife and I are going to pray about what's next, but I just want to show you, hey, we're, we're, we're all in. We're all in. Come on now, Jesus. Now listen, the amount is not it. He's, he's just one more person on our way to 100% participation. That's, that's what it is. Don't you feel bad? Don't you feel like you got to give more or give less? Let's just celebrate that God is moving in the hearts of people already, okay? God's doing some cool things. The final thing I want to ask you to do is this. I want to make a commitment to make a commitment. That's all. Nobody's going to pass out a commitment card right now, and you're going to, like I said, buy the timeshare because we're going to give you a discount on it right this moment. I just want you to leave today making a commitment to make a commitment. Make a commitment to make a commitment to go all in with your heart with your life and with your legacy for the sake of your children, for the sake of the 450 plus children that are over at our kids center that are watching us to leave a yes God legacy for the pioneers and the trailblazers and the risk takers of the last 90 years. I'm asking you and me, let's make a commitment to make a commitment. Here are our next steps for today. Here's what I want you to go home thinking about. Number one, here on page 34, is a five to seven day devotional. Page 34, I wanna invite you. Listen, if you're, if you're a man of the house, man of the house, lead your family through this devotion. If you're flying solo, lead yourself through the devotion, okay? This is gonna require much prayer and surrender to Jesus, not a fancy video and a PowerPoint slide. This is gonna have to be all God because only God can do this. This is so big, $8 million is crazy. It's crazy, but I believe it's God. And I believe together we're gonna see God do a miracle. I believe we're gonna see God do a miracle. I believe God, you're gonna have to do a miracle, God. Because without God, we're just talking about stuff. But with God, it's about souls. And I know not everybody received a coin when you came in. This is not the time to try and undo that twine because it, it, you'll, you'll start cussing and then we'll, the whole thing will be downhill. Okay, the whole thing will be downhill. Don't do that. If you didn't receive a coin coming in, it's because we ran out. We had a great crowd today. We, we ran out. And so we had some extra in the, in, the, in the office. On your way out, make sure you get a coin if you didn't get one. But I want you to take that little pouch out and just hold it. Just, just hold it. In every single pouch, there is a 
gold $1 coin. Everybody all eyes up here with that coin. Listen close. That coin is on loan to you. That, that coin is not your coin. We are giving it to you to hang on to for the next five weeks. Because I'm going to ask for it back. I'm going to ask for it back. God's going to ask for it back. Okay? And it comes from this story in Matthew 25 where a master shows up and he's got tons of wealth. And he leaves five bags of gold with one servant and says, be good with it. Comes the other servant says, here's two bags of gold. Be good with it. He goes to another servant and says, here's one bag of gold. Be good with it. Didn't matter. He wasn't playing favorites. He was just playing to their strengths. And some people have five and some people have two and some people have one. The key is do something with it. Whether he's got five, two or one. All right. Whether you're in the room, you got 25, 5, 10, 17, 7 million or one. Just be faithful with it, whatever it is. So, so the Bible says that those that got the five bags and the two bags, immediately they left and they started doing whatever they could to honor the master with what they had been given and trusted with. The guy with the one bag, you know what he did though? He went to his backyard, got a Folgers coffee can. He put it in there, put the lid on it, dug a hole and put it in the backyard. Master comes back over some time. And the five bag of gold guy says, Master, you came back and I've been waiting. It's so exciting. Here's 10 bags. Because it's not mine. It's all yours. Here's 10. And the two bag of gold guy says, you gave it to me. I did my best. Man, I did it, man. I the stock at 20,000. It was awesome. Here's four. The one bag of guy, gold guy says, oh, you know, crazy times. You know the economy. It's just, I just buried it. Well, the master says, wow, you've been faithful. I've got more for you. But for the one who just buried it, it was like, you, you don't even know the heart of the master. What I want to challenge you with today is this. I want you to have that pouch, whether it's in the pouch or just the gold coin. Would you carry that coin around this week? Would you carry it around for the next few weeks? Bring it with you each Sunday in church, along with your all-in booklet. It is on loan to you. It's not yours. But I want to, when you pull out stuff and your keys and your receipt and it's laying there to pay for whatever at the gas station, you see it and remind you, everything I have is on loan from God. And that coin represents nothing I have is mine. It's all his anyway. And then what we're going to invite everybody to do on March 5th, a month from today, we're going to invite everybody in the church after a month, after a time of prayer and seeking God, I'm going to invite everybody to bring that coin to this platform and lay it down and with it, bring a commitment card with it. That it wouldn't just be buried and brought back, but that you would bring back with it an investment of going all in, regardless of what that looks like. That's between you and Jesus. What I do know is this. The master, he said, you were faithful with a little Five bags of gold don't sound little, does it? In fact, in today's time, it's worth millions of dollars. They said, you were faithful with a little. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to trust you with more. Make a commitment to make a commitment. You've heard what I've had to say today, what I believe the Lord is wanting us to do. And so if you're ready to go all in, you're not ready to make a commitment. Just make a commitment to make a commitment. 
If you're ready to see what God's going to do in the next 10 years, on the count of three, I want you to say all in. Would you do it? One, two, three. Let's go all in to go all out for the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Father, what we've just said out loud together as a congregation, may we now put feet to it. May we now not just be hearers of the word, but doers. God, this is a discipleship journey for many of us. Some of us have trusted you with our finances for years, trusted you with our dreams and our destiny for years. Others of us, we're just getting started and and this is a little scary. God, may we live yes God lives so we can leave a yes God legacy and it all starts with our heart turned to you in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray for those that need, need to know the next step of their life. Financially, relationally, emotionally, I pray that you would speak to them in Jesus' name. For those of you that are already making a commitment, God, I pray that you would stir them up and that they would leave a legacy that we can rejoice in, not only on this side of heaven, but in eternity. God, this is not about buildings. This is not about water. This is not about food. This is not about prison campuses. This is about souls. It has been, it will be, and it will always be about souls because there is nothing on the face of this earth that is more valuable to your heart, Lord Jesus, than the souls of those who've yet to surrender to you. Bring the broken home, Lord. Use our church to do it quick to give you all the glory and the honor because it's yours in Jesus name and everybody said